How is your work life going? Business, home, social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made, and by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. I'd like to invite you to consider how you define success in your work. In thinking about the results you're aiming to achieve, to what extent do your appearance, behavior, and communication synchronize to back up your goals? Today's guest, image expert Dominique Isbeck, suggests that the integrity of your image relies on ensuring that your appearance, behavior, and communication work in concert. Through this conversation, we'd like to strengthen the results you achieve in your career by engaging best practices in strategic image communications. Dominique's global expertise in this area includes guiding organizations to improve their bottom lines by enhancing both the customer and the employee experience. Dominique has been a pioneering force in the image field. She co-founded the Association of Image Consultants International, She's coached corporate and individual clients in diverse industries and has developed curricula and instructed for the image consulting program at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. Known as the Coach's Coach, she also trains image professionals. In fact, she was my instructor when I participated in the image consulting program at FIT in 2004. Dominique, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you, Hemda, and it's particularly delightful for me because of the fact that we started out knowing each other through the FIT program, and I always am particularly both proud and honored when graduates become my peers. So thank you so much, and I love to have the opportunity to share with uh, all your listeners. I appreciate that. So there's a lot of meat that goes under this umbrella of strategic image communications, and I thought it'd be helpful to start off by defining what strategic image communications is. Okay, well I prefer to call myself a strategic um, image consultant or an image communication strategist more so because of the fact that I've started out working with the appearance area of color, clothing, image and all of that because of a personal experience I had and then I found that 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 appeared to be kind of superficial. I mean, it's kind of redundant, appeared to be superficial because it is, yet the impact that it had on me when I started working on my own outer presence impacted my inner presence. So I started looking at what was really valuable and what was valuable is using image strategically as a tool or a vehicle to help get things, whether it's relationships, success, business, uh, satisfaction, self-confidence, all of those were, were reasons what that propelled me in this. So for me, I, I look at it as image as a tool to help people get ahead in both personal and their professional situations. Mm-hmm. Would you? I know that you mentioned that you went beyond just the focus on appearance. For, for those um, who might be interested in hearing a little bit more about what goes under the umbrella of appearance, would you share a little bit about that? Sure. 
the appearance area for me includes uh, the visual and, and the nonverbal because we see body language, we see gestures, we see eye contact, and we respond to both. And both, both just the straight, you know, uh, two-dimensional visual is one aspect. But in terms of visual, in terms of a human, we're looking at the clothing that we wear, the way that we carry ourselves, which influences the way that we're perceived. And and those are the, so it could be color, it could be line, it could be shapes, it could be the 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 actual items themselves. Whether one chooses to wear a suit or a sweater or something that's structured versus non-structured, each of those elements actually sends out messages. And most people, when in the business environment, specific, especially if they're working in a in a financial services or or a workplace that has conservative dress code, the uniform, the traditional uniform, is the suit. And so, therefore, there's not really some thought that goes into individuality, personality. It's like, oh, going to grab that suit, put that on, because that's the uniform of my organization. And what I like to do is to help people look within the, the confines of the limitations of the suit and how can they use nuances in terms of other selections, whether it's ties or scars or patterns, and send out messages that, one, are respectful of their environment and to their, their public and their, their clients, but also that help express their individuality because business is really about relationships. And what I do is I help people find the best relationships of clothing and style elements to their own features that support them in reaching their goals. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the appearance aspect, you're supporting someone's natural physical characteristics. You're helping them complement what, what nature gave them. And at the same time, if you're in an environment where there's a certain attire that's really part of the culture of the environment... You also help them still express personality. Absolutely, yes. And in some cases, the, there's um, a, a big disconnect between how people are perceived by others and how they perceive themselves. And that's where I have to start when I'm working with someone one-on-one. And because we first have to identify, okay, what is that individual's goal? How do they want to be perceived? How do they need to be perceived? And then we go to reality. This is how the, these are the messages that you're currently sending out, Miss or Mr. Client. And then we, we strategize, okay, if you want to look more powerful... Then and you're naturally coming across as, let's say, passive, to use an opposite example, then we need to step up what I call the image volume so that we can expand the person's presence. And when I say expand their presence, I don't mean making them look large. It's ma- having them be more commanding in the space that they actually take up. Is there an example you can offer that illustrates some work that you did along the lines of appearance and maybe some of the other facets of image communications? Yes. Uh, recently, I've been working with a, a client, a person who is actually four foot eleven, so she's very petite, and she had difficulty finding clothes that would fit her particular body type and height. And she also had, was a, she referred to herself as a bean counter in financial services. And she was promoted up the ranks in her corporation and was at a, a, a junior vice president level and was being groomed, literally being groomed to be promoted. But 
her image needed a huge promotion and therefore I was brought in to work with her so we worked with her first on what were what was her perception of professional presence and we did that through a series of um, images and also how she how she dressed currently so she sent me photographs of her current wardrobe because she was from another state so we were not seeing seeing each other face to face until the final uh, encounter which was taking her shopping so <laughs> during that part. it was a fun part yes uh, for me in particular, and I think for her too. But the disconnect for her was that because she was so consumed with her work that she wasn't realizing that the way that she was presenting herself was being counterproductive to her success. And as we started you know, helping her understand how she was actually sending out messages and at the same time how she could have more control over those messages by the awareness of how to use image tools, then her confidence level started to grow with regard to making those choices. And then she started seeing the connection between her choices in clothing and basic presence to the actual results that she was needed to accomplish. And some of her, her goals were in, um, she sometimes needed to be very authoritative because she managed a team. And then there were other times where she needed to be a collaborator, a team player on that, that same team. And so she had to wear multiple hats and how to change that image without changing her clothes. I was just going to ask, what did you do with her appearance? <laughs> Well, one of the things that she had in her features is that she had a lot of curves. And in terms of the way that we humans perceive lines, we perceive straight lines as being strong and authoritative, and we perceive and respond to curves as being friendly and, and, and the person being approachable. So she was naturally very approachable looking because of, one, her size, 4 foot 11, and two, because of all the curves that she had. She also had very wavy hair that did not have any structure to it, and that was another area that we talked about for her is to give, get more structure in her hair. But in her clothing alone, what we did is we gave her more structure by jackets that have squared shoulders as opposed to curved sweaters, which is what she was wearing. She was also wearing leggings, and that was not considered acceptable. Plus, they didn't actually become her. Some people can wear leggings well, and others cannot. The company did have an acceptable dress code policy. But I suggested that if her goal was to be advanced in the organization, that she needed to step up her image volume in order to have her image be congruent to her business goals. So you complemented her curves, her approachability with a little bit more structure, angularity that helped to enhance her executive presence. Yes, what we did is we stepped up the volume. We, we, what I don't do is put people into a uniform that's not who they are. So in order to help her feel comfortable in the increased structure of the clothing choices, we then played around with patterns that had curves in them. And, but it was in, in a lower volume of her whole visual you know, percentage proportion. And that made a big difference. The other thing that she learned was how to make clothing choices that suited her, her physique. 
and she had absolutely no idea how much of a difference that made. But the proof was in the, the pictures because we photographed all the different looks, whether she purchased them or didn't purchase them. The whole shopping experience was, was really valuable. And she did end up purchasing a lot of things at great discounts, too. <laughs> it seems that the transformational aspect of this work also is really helping to so someone to broaden their perspective about what's flattering. And essentially, if you're wearing clothes or you're tending to your appearance in other ways such that all of it's flattering, then you're also conveying a lot of confidence, you're conveying a sense of self, you're strengthening your brand identity. Yes, absolutely. And it, it also helps people save time because of the fact that when they start making careful choices or strategic choices in when they're acquiring new things, or they're learning how to better utilize what they currently possess, which is also very important to me because I like to think of building a, an image wardrobe or, or professional presence, then what happens is what exists in their closets, in their, in their homes, is more useful and valuable and they have confidence to know that when I choose X, it will produce Y result. And that's where they have more self-command in, in, their, in their day because they're not thinking about, oh, my God, was this the right choice? Were, this, were these the right shoes? Was this the right tie? Because they go into those meetings knowing that, you know what, this tie is going to produce this reaction and I want it. And it doesn't have to break the bank. No, absolutely not. Not at all. Because it's just a matter of understanding how how to make choices that are that work for them. And that's mm -hmm. that's where I come in. And and that's mm -hmm. where I get loads of pleasure out of helping people become confident with who they are, how they are, and how they can improve who they are when they where they want to. Mm -hmm. And those seem like also with someone who's skilled as skilled and knowledgeable as you are being able to make changes readily is, is such a wonderful relief and such a boost. It, it is a boost, and it's also, you know, I consider it the gift that keeps giving. It's like teaching someone how to fish instead of giving them, you know, baked salmon. And, although I like baked salmon, mm -hmm. and I sometimes like other people mm -hmm. to cook for me. But it, it's empowering because they know that they're in a position to choose. Mm -hmm. What are some of the results that you see happen as a result of this work? Ooh, well, uh, the mo first and foremost is I see an increased amount of confidence. I see people feeling and being more confident in who they are, and, and that leads to being more productive in their, in their work, particularly because my focus is working with professionals. I'm not what, I, what other people would consider an image stylist, which is more for the fashionistas, and, and they, they have a, a, an important role to play, but it's not one that, that's mine. Uh, the other result is that people end up saving money. They save time. That's always really valuable. And time is, is very underrated because time is quality of life. It's how to, if they're not spending 30 minutes figuring out, oh, my God, what do I have to wear for these meetings today? And I have four different meetings and which one is the important one that I have to dress for, then they have more time for something else whether it's meditation, whether it's self-reflection, whether it's planning their, their evening dinner party, whether it's being with their kids, having time for breakfast with their kids. So those are very valuable results that people have, not to mention the business ones that where it helps them connect with people in a very meaningful and honest way. 
it seems what came to mind for me was an increase in accessibility because you're really changing how people respond to the individual. So it brings to mind that there's more of an open path, there's more reach, there's more of an opportunity for impact because all of those issues that sometimes create barriers between people, some of those really are released. When you have someone who's emerging and helping people also to strengthen their own desire to communicate in an honest way and to present themselves really as they are. Yes, you're absolutely right on that, and, and I, I absolutely concur uh, with that, yes. And what about some of the, non-ver- the verbal aspects? We talked about nonverbal. Yes. Well, the verbal aspects is something that I had to work on myself personally uh, in, in the very beginning stages of my career, which is really over 35, 35 years ago, is that the way that I personally communicated was very um, low-keyed and, and not very interesting. And so I worked with coaches, and I found that as I increased my voice presence, that my confidence shifted, you know, monumentally, and and that that's an area that I work with people because I also help people with their media preparation and helping them go on camera and feel comfortable with that. So voice presence—that's something I'd love to hear more about. We're going to go to a brief commercial. When we return, we're going to talk more about voice presence and other tactics for strategic image communications, and also discuss how to address common communication challenges. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with image expert Dominique Isbeck. We talked about the impact of appearance in one's professional life and, of course, in one's personal life as well, and some changes that an image consultant facilitates that helps to increase confidence 
And we wrapped up our conversation with voice power, and I'd love to hear more about that, Dominique. Uh, yeah, thank you for asking that question because it's it's very uh, meaningful to me on a personal level because of my personal experience having worked on that myself and finding how liberating I feel as a result of being more confident in the way that I can communicate using my voice. Therefore, when I'm working with clients, I'm, I'm, I see that many people, especially women in particular, I see it more with women than with men, but some men as well have, have this challenge. But I see that with women who are not using their voices in the workplace, that they are often passed over. I was doing a program uh, recently for a financial institution uh, who, which has a headquarters in New Jersey, and there were about, I don't know, 60 or 70 men and women, mostly men, and I, it was a program on professional presence, and I found that they all looked great. So I focused on some of the nuances of how to use their image strategically, but to your point about voice presence, I noticed that the women were not saying anything and that when they did raise their hand to ask a question, make a comment, that they sounded very passive. And if I were working with them, I would probably want to go to sleep because of that. And I find that women and men, but pe people who do not know how importantly valuable it is for us to project in a way that other people can can hear us. So therefore I like to work on projection, I like to work on how to articulate. Sometimes when I'm working with clients on media prep, because I work with some some uh, designers, some, some industry designers for um, perfume or for clothing, and they now have to go on camera to do a media launch. And they're mortified. They say, oh, I don't want to do this. I had one client who had to go to um, India for the, the TED Talks. He was ready to take drugs <laughs> because he was so terrified. Well, within about four sessions and giving him some techniques, he then was great. He went and did it. He was confident. He came back thrilled. And he says, hey, I'm ready for more. Mm -hmm. So I know how liberating it is to break through that fear barrier of speaking in a way that other people can hear and understand us. And there, there are a lot of psychological things, which that is not my domain. I leave that to the experts. But, but one of the things is, and the simple thing is projection, but it goes beyond that. It goes, be, it goes to, uh, for me, the root is the root desire to be heard and to experience that what one has to say is really valuable. And some people don't see themselves that way. It's not just self-esteem. It's not just self-confidence. It, it's very, there are many different reasons why people don't project. How do you get there? If you have a, a client you're working with, which in essence, I would guess that occurs very frequently, that we really don't perceive that what we have to say is valuable and that affects our projection and other aspects of our voice quality. What techniques do you use with clients to help them? Well, one of the things that I found I responded very well to, and therefore when something works for me, I think it's supposed to work for other people. And, and it does, if people happen to have similar you know, issues that I may have had, is one thing. But I, what I find is that structure and giving people specific, tangible techniques 
helps people get out of their head. So, for example, there's a technique called the arc when one is talking in front of a room and where you have to walk from one side of the room to the other, you, you land, you have eye contact on one person as you're walking to the other side of the room and that anchors you, for one. There are other techniques where you don't, you say a particular thought with one person having eye contact with you and then you move to another person and you have eye contact with that person because then the entire room thinks you're talking to them. But when we do a panoramic view of our audience, then what happens is everybody says, oh, she's not looking at anybody. And therefore, they don't feel valued as a listener. That's, that's one technique. Mm -hmm. uh, another one is, is body language. Just coming back actually to the first technique, just to clarify, you mentioned forming an arc. So I, I, I think I lost something in that, so I just wanted to make sure that I caught you clearly. I, I got what you said in a sense that you're creating more of an experience of intimacy. Rather than scanning the room, you're connecting with particular people in the room. You're making eye contact. Yes. How does the arc fit in? The arc fits in is if, if one, a speaker, if you're talking to an audience, a group, uh, if, the, if you're a your speaker and you're standing in the center of your room, then you turn your body. But if you move to, let's say, to the left side, then you are actually creating an arc pattern because you're moving to one direction. And then when you go from, let's say, the left, stage left, to stage right, that creates an arc. It's a slight curve. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, there are also breathing techniques that I, that I help people with. And when someone has a speech, let's say, or they're being interviewed or they're going on camera, one of the things that I do is I don't rewrite their, their speeches because usually that comes from the marketing department and I don't you know, touch that. But what I do do is I reformat the the way that it's written on the page, where the person needs to breathe, where the person needs to pause. And that's something that I find that people do not do, is pause. Mm -hmm. And pausing is an opportunity for the listener to digest what the person just said. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would guess also it's really about helping people to be present and conveying that you are also present, that there's a connection. Thank you so much for saying that, Hemda, because being present is one of the most valuable, uh, I guess I could consider it a tool as well, because you have to know how to eliminate garbage from our heads. It's those little voices that get in the way. Did I wear the right clothes? Did I pick the right words? Did I prepare enough? Did I, you know, all those little doubt voices when we can clear all that out of the way and be fully present then we can assess what's going on with the person who with whom I'm speaking what's going on with this audience what's going on with this my staff are they responding with closed arms or are they they're they're there waiting with you know bated breath like what's what's the next thing that we have to do boss and, and you can only do, know what to, choice to make when you're fully present. If you're in your head, you can't possibly make as valuable and, and uh, appropriate a choice because you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. It seems that also you're talking about minimizing distractions. Yes, yes, definitely. Minimizing distractions and a lot of those distractions are self-created. The self-created distractions 
from those little voices, did I wear the right socks, did I wear the right shoes, did I make the right choice, those are tremendous distractions, which is why when someone is going into an important meeting, whether it's a sales meeting or a networking event where there's a specific objective in mind and they are focused on that objective and how do they actually create an optimum result with the least amount of you know distractions, it, it's very important for them to be fully present. Mm -hmm. And I think about the appearance part that you talked about. In essence, we're looking at our physical characteristics, we're looking at our personality and our goals, we're choosing shapes and colors and patterns, everything that really is flattering. So I think of that also as eliminating distraction. It is. And if we, I have a particular, like a five question um, technique that I, that I encourage my clients to, to you know, adapt or, or work with. And basically the first question that I ask them to reflect on is what is the outcome? What's the desired outcome? And the second one is what are, is the expectation of that person or that team or that organization of you in that situation. The third one is what are the messages that need to be projected in order to meet those expectations. And then the fourth one is how do, I, how do you naturally come across? Do you naturally come across as being very commanding and powerful or, and, or dictatorial or do you naturally come across as being friendly and easygoing and, and the one who's chummy up with everybody. And then the, the last thing is what are the key choices in terms of clothing, in terms of body language, in terms of voice presence, so that it starts from what is the outcome. It's like starting to follow Stephen Covey, what is starting with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it sounds like there's an enormous amount of aware awareness really that comes to light for a person just going through that logical thinking process and stepping back and reflecting and assessing. There's a lot of information that comes to you that was always there. We just really didn't tap into it. Yes, that's, that's true. And the, as in the beginning, it can be a little overwhelming because there are many different uh, choices that one can make. As you said, uh, clothing and style and fabric and all of those different elements in the beginning it that is overwhelming but as they as individuals start applying it it becomes very natural because there's cause and effect and when you choose X you can anticipate a potential result of Y in fact that's the disclaimer that I start out with when I'm doing group programs about image and professional presence because I will sometimes have a group of people like these financial individuals last week with closed arms. What is she going to tell me? I know how to wear a suit. Mm -hmm. And so I say, I'm not here to tell you how to wear your suit. I'm not here to tell you that you have to change your clothes or cut your hair or shave your beard or put makeup. What I'm here to share is what can be the anticipated results when you choose to do what you do. Mm -hmm. And then I usually get their attention. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what percentage of blind spot you're tapping into. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have no idea, but you know, that's a really great way of looking at it. And I'm actually going to use that thought because it's a really good one, the blind spot. Yes. Well, we work with that Johari window frequently in, in our coaching work and taking a look at what is, what is it that other people are aware of about you that you are aware of. 
What is it that they may be aware of that you just don't see, you don't notice about yourself, that you could be coming across in a condescending or intimidating or unapproachable way without realizing it through your body language, through other aspects of your appearance, through your communication style? Yes. Uh, what you do in your coaching world is, is, has some similarities to, to what I do in, in my work. Uh, in, in some of the uh, coaching relationships that, that I know of from other people, they use 360-degree assessments where they assess how someone re- perceives in, 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 in one person from all levels. I don't do that with the image area because it's kind of uncomfortable. And in fact, image is an extremely uncomfortable topic for many managers to deal with, especially when you're dealing with something as body odor or too much fragrance or bad breath. Those are uncomfortable things. So therefore, they say, oh, give it to the image consultant. Let let that person handle Mm -hmm. it. I don't want to handle it. But there are legal issues for how to handle those types of what other people might consider criticisms, but if it's presented in the context of one's career development and advancement, then it's very different than, oh, you don't look well or you've made a wrong choice, go home and change. It's, it's, that's a different way of presenting that information. But in terms of what you were saying about the blind spot, there are people who have no clue that they come across the way they do such as this woman I recently worked with, I mentioned earlier, the four foot eleven person. She was totally clueless that wearing really tight leggings on a body that for, for whom that was not appropriate was de- going to derail her career. Mm. So uh, all of this really falls under the umbrella of performance feedback. Yes, yes. It does form under the umbrella of performance feedback. And those things need to be made clear by the either human resource department, the learning and development departments and corporations, because if you're going to evaluate someone on their professional presence, there has to be a clearly written, clearly uh, informed uh, code, uh, criteria that the employees are familiar with and they know. They have to sign off on them in order for them to be able to be evaluated on their professional presence. That's why it becomes a very delicate situation. Mm. So coming back to image integrity, we talked about the appearance aspect of it. We talked somewhat about the communication aspect and you offered some tips for public speaking that include, we, we wound up actually with thinking about pausing, having some silence and your breath, remembering to breathe, to connect with your breath and to make eye contact is there anything you would add to that? No, I think that those are the main things. I think giving too many instructions on something as as feared as speaking, I think, makes people become more afraid. As they start learning one technique, then I'll bring in another technique. If someone needs work with, let's say, dialect or accent, that's because they're not they're inaudible because they're, they speak correct words, but the way they articulate is who the hell knows what they're saying. But that, that goes to someone else. That's not my area of expertise. I will send them to a dialect coach mm. for that. What you're saying makes sense. Just if it's something also that we fear, then you want to really address it in increments and not offer too many suggestions for change at one time because that can be really also inhibiting for a person. Yes. I do have people record themselves 
when when we're working on voice issues, and that way they can hear. And I've had people record them at themselves on the telephone, and that way they hear how they they communicate. And sometimes they they're totally appalled by themselves mm-hmm. of themselves. Right. So it seems that really getting this mirror view into ourselves is extraordinarily helpful. Yes, definitely. What about the behavior aspect? What are some things that you can say about that? Behavior uh, touches on a couple of things. It addresses uh, body language because that is a little bit of behavior, the kinds of gestures we use. If we use very uh, angular gestures, that can be perceived as being powerful and and sometimes condescending. If we use uh, soft gestures, we are perceived as being very friendly. The other area of behavior has to do with body language and etiquette. And that is how do you conduct yourself in a meeting? How are you a listener? How are you responding and appreciating other people's points of views in meetings? Those are some of the areas touched on that. And it also gets into some cultural nuances. How do you behave with people from different cultures? Mm. And that's a big area of interest considering within our own environments and also our business requires us to interact with people in different countries. What those cultural aspects are that you've noticed in your work? The well, that's a huge area, and I because I've traveled extensively, I've I've um, spent a lot of time in different countries and and work with many people from who come to to train with me from around the world. But I've also trained in other countries as well and worked with multinational companies wherein they have a diverse population. It's very important for them to understand how to appreciate each other's differences as well as to respect their differences. And, and that is sometimes difficult if the person wasn't brought up with that. So therefore, teaching tolerance, teaching respect can be really a valuable um, program that a, that a company can offer and there there's some really wonderful specialists but when I'm teaching a particular topic as customer service which is in one of the areas I deal with I have to teach the sales the associates or the managers teaching the associates in the train the trainer program how do they then adjust their behavior to people from different cultures I'd love to hear more about that. We're going to take a quick commercial, and when we come back, we'll hear about adjusting behaviors for different cultures and also talk about how strategic communications can impact a company's bottom line. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. 
It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by image expert Dominique Isbeck. We've been talking about the three major components of image integrity, appearance, behavior, and communications. And we left off talking about the behavior piece, and in particular, how this plays out when you're interacting with people across the globe. And Dominique, you started to share the training that you do with sales professionals and helping them to really appreciate differences. Yes, I find that one of the reasons why I enjoy uh, customer service in particular and, and topics related to that is because the results can be measurable by a corporation. For example, uh, one organization I worked with, they hired mystery shoppers. And it was a actually a, a salon, I won't mention the name mm-hmm. to be appropriate, but they had a very large percentage of bad reviews. And it was a, a company that actually had probably a thousand new customers per month. And they were only able to retain about two percent of those customers who would come on, who come back for, for further services. And therefore, one of the the results that we were very happy to show is the decrease in complaints and the increase of retention of those new customers who became repeat customers. And that's one of the the great values of understanding how to use the metrics. Now, I don't do the metrics, but I, I have a conversation with clients about that because it's important to me that whatever I do has value to the organization as opposed to going in quick quick fix band-aid problem to a problem when really there's a longer uh, potential benefit to that organization if they plan it properly. So to go to your question about customer service and connecting with customers of different cultures, one of the things that uh, sales associates need to do is they need to learn what is a person responding to? How are they responding? Mm-hmm. Are they responding to by getting very excited? Are they getting you know physically excited, like you know, with more animated gestures, or are they with arms closed and not paying attention? When someone is arms closed and feeling perhaps defensive, if not cold, mm-hmm. uh, then this associate needs to back off a little bit physically, step back a little bit and learn what's going on. So one of the things that I like to uh, teach uh, service professionals how to do is to connect with a customer on a personal level before you even get to products. Mm 
mm-hmm. because that's where the customer will want to decide to want to engage in a dialogue with that that sales associate or not because of the way the person communicated. Mm-hmm. How do you connect with the person? Well, there are always the, the, the traditional ways of, hello, how are you? Well, what brings you here today? But it's not only asking that particular question, but it's the tone. What's the tone? And I'll give you an example. Uh, I was recently doing some, some training for a coach organization, and they sent me to different countries, to Japan and, and also to Paris, which was a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that I did before the program is I went to one of their, their coach departments in one of the larger stores, and I, I was a mystery shopper. And there was one individual who asked me some questions and then walked away. But there was another young man who kind of parked himself in front of me, and he was a petite you know, mm-hmm. young man, really dynamic, really excited, and he would not let go. But he wasn't obnoxious in that regard. What he was, it was funny. And he kind of like jumped on the slattle and picked up something I was interested in from an upper shelf, and he pulled it down, and he, he waved his finger and said, wait, watch what I'm, I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. And he, but he was so animated and engaged that I just was smiling because I was entertained. And so what happened is he said he took the strap off of this handbag, and then he put the handbag on his shoulder and the strap on his waist, and he said, guess what? Mm-hmm. You buy one bag, you get a belt and a handbag. And it was hilarious. It was like a performance. Mm-hmm. And if I can encourage, you know, associates to get out of their fear box of, of intruding on someone's personal space and just be human, you know, mm-hmm. be engaging, then what happens is people will respond. They may not purchase that day. And with the coach, you know, organization and their customer service plan, the purpose is not to get people to buy things. The purpose is to have people have an amazing experience of being in the coach environment. And and that's what was such a pleasure about that particular program because it's exactly how I feel and think about my work and about life in general. Mm. It brings to mind the word authenticity and, again, the word presence because as I was listening to the story of this exuberant salesperson, it sounded like he really wanted to be there. and. It, that's what I wonder is, what percentage is, do I really want to be here? Yes, and that that comes to uh, two things. One, it comes to the hiring process that an organization has. Are they hiring for personality or are they hiring for skills? Are they hiring for attitude? It, it really depends on the organization. And what I'm finding is that organizations who are really clear about the kind of culture that they want to have on a, on a global level, and global could be in the, state, in the city of New York, or global could be international. It's, it's it, throughout the entire organization that when the organization is clear about their brand image, and, and that includes the culture, then they are able to make better decisions. It it's, goes back to getting dressed dressing for the brand image that you want to or need to have for a particular day. But so one thing is is the clarity of the culture and the other is the interest of the individual to be there. So when a company hires someone who has that ethic that it, that whatever that that personality is that they want to have deem as 
the, the optimum personality of that organization. And I'm not talking about turning people into robots, by the way, because that, that really is, is, I don't find that productive at all. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's creating a work environment, a culture where people feel comfortable expressing who they are, knowing that who they are is the best way for them to be effective. And I would think that your process helps to clarify actually whether or not the opportunity is a good fit for the individual in the sense that there's a huge playing field that you can cover by supporting someone in helping to move through some of the discomfort and the fears that they have and the beauty that they have within to help that to emerge, to help them to feel more confident about the interactions they're having with people in their environment, to feel more confident. So I, I can see enormous impact in that and, and a lot of relief also for the person because you wonder sometimes whether something's a good fit because you feel uncomfortable and maybe it is, but you really just need to work with yourself. Absolutely. And I also find that if, if I can help them see the fun in what they do and the way that they do things and stepping out of their, what I call their fear box, then what happens is they start to build, start their kick in their own momentum and then they find other solutions. I mean, there was another example of, of a company I, I trained the managers in uh, customer service in, in the image area. It was a retail organization that had stores around the country. And one of the uh, wonderful calls that I got from the, the, the learning and development um, director is that one of the things she said is that they were running this program in, in New Orleans, I believe. It was hot. And one of the exercises that the team came up with on their own was a way to show the importance of image is they took strawberry shortcake. And they put strawberry shortcake on a paper plate and on a porcelain china plate. And they presented these two plates of strawberry shortcake and they said, which one would you rather eat? And everybody got it immediately. And the, the training team was so pleased with how everybody understood the importance of image through that. The point of that is that through um, the allowance, the encouragement of people to, to create their own way of adapting the training program, they made it their own. They took mm-hmm. ownership of it. And they started to have fun with it instead of being a robot well, we have to follow these points, and this is kind of boring, but I have to do it anyway because it's mandated from up above. Mm -hmm. It seems like important ingredients for world peace that you're talking about. (laughs) United States is known as more of an individualistic culture, and then you have other cultures that seem to be focused very much on community. And sometimes there's a perceived and maybe actual conflict between the two, and it seems that you're talking about how you can marry them in a very effective way, that you're still encouraging someone to be an individual and to explore their individuality, while at the same time, you're also really working on the unity piece. Yes, and that's probably one of the the catalysts that got me into this profession to begin with, is because when I had my own personal image transformation 40 years ago, really, it is. I found that 
the results, the impact on me was so profound that I became this like image evangelist and, oh, everybody's got to learn this because it's, it has such an amazing impact. And yes, it has a, a very strong potential for many, many different benefits. But I think that with the um, area of self-confidence and really tying it all together that way that it can be really valuable. But it goes back to what you were saying earlier, and uh, about being present and being in the moment, and that when we are present in the moment, we are better able to use all of our skills and all of our our tools that we, we have in our toolbox because we're fully present. It would be like going into battle and not knowing how to use the tanks. You know, that would be mm-hmm. pretty dangerous. Mm. With the in-depth work that you've done in this field for all of these years, more than three decades, and also being a co-founder for an international association for image consultants, training image consultants, what would you say if you, if you had to kind of bottle up some of the most important learnings that you've had over the years around this, what messages would you leave with people that they can take away and really try to work with in their lives? Well, what I, what I have taken away for myself is the, the value of becoming a leader, becoming a leader in my own profession, becoming a leader role model for my clients, and to help clients, whether it's individuals who come to me one-on-one or members of an organization, is how to become a leader in your own world. And that, that world doesn't have to be a huge, huge world. It could be a family. To be a leader in, in any area is what will help everybody have greater strength and success in their lives. So that, that's one, one area. And the other is to find ways to minimize. I don't think we can eliminate completely those distractions, but I think to minimize that chatter that goes in our heads or in some people's heads uh, that have to do, that bring up the, the uh, self-doubt you know, I'm not sure if I'm good enough. I'm not sure if I can do this. And those are really key things. And then to look and see, really be aware of how, how one is coming across and to be open to that and look and see how do I want to be perceived, how am I now being perceived, and what do I need to do to get to where I want to be. Mm. That's very encouraging. You're making it very doable <laughs> that you have this structure in place and we need to just ask ourselves these questions and not panic or worry too much about it. Because I know in my career work, what I saw was that people are very highly motivated. I think that the frustration that occurs is when we have all of this talent and when we have this beautiful voice within that's not expressed freely in the world. And then that's kind of a loaded word, freely. But it sounds like that's what you've been talking about, really, is when you, you take a look at the ways that you can express yourself, the nonverbal ways, the verbal ways. You take a look at looking at how you can increase receptivity in the world. And maybe some of us are saying, well, I don't care too much what other people think. But the issue, I think, is that for you to really be able to reach the heights that you'd like to reach in your life, that it's extraordinarily helpful when you're able to engage other people in support of your own goals. Yes, it is. And what I love particularly about the potential here for, for impact and, and 
in, through my in, involvement with people is that as people become aware of how to use their tools there, whether it's image, whether it's communication, whether it's just behavior, those are all tools, the more masterful they are and, and naturally aware of how to use the tools, what happens is natural self-empowerment and natural self-confidence. And that's why I find that it's so fluid for me to be able to work with people in actually a short amount of time. And I, I'm actually surprised at how effective it can be. But it's because I make it simple. And, mm-hmm. and I think it can be simple. We are so easy to overcomplicate stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it simple. <laughs> Some wonderful strategies for being seen and heard. Thank you so much, Dominique. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to learn more about Dominique's image training and coaching services, please email her at dominique at ircny.com. That's D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E at I-R-C-N-Y dot com. That stands for the Image Resource Center of New York, Dominique's organization. And if you're so inspired by today's show that you're interested in exploring image consulting as a career, check out Dominique's book, The Perfect Fit, How to Start an Image Consulting Business. To continue our dialogue, please follow us on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and like us at Facebook on Turn the Page Radio. Thanks for participating in today's show. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with Turn the Page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then.